0: Hi and welcome to the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly, presented by Life Now. It's the showdown of the season when Liverpool go head-to-head with Manchester City. Is this the title decider?
1: Elsewhere in this episode, we take a look back at the results from the past weekend, which included a shock result at Stamford Bridge. This is the Final Whistles Premier League Weekly, presented by Life Now.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Deepan.
1: And I'm Raushan.
0: Raushan, what a game week we have ahead. Uh, it's the clash, right? Uh, I mean, as much as there are you know, six to seven games left in the Premier League season, uh, we cannot get away from the fact that this is essentially uh, a title decider. with uh, with so few games left uh, and three points is really up for grabs here between both sides. Uh, we'll talk more about it a bit later on, but I'm quite sure you are waiting to post uh, the trivia question to me.
1: No, just to touch on the weekend we have ahead, I'm I'm excited. I think 10 match days ago, it didn't look like this would be a possibility and then suddenly there's this cup final almost, I dare call it. So it's, it's a lot to look forward to. Let's look forward to it later on. Before that, let me put you under the spot with trivia. Who has scored the most goals off the bench this
0: season? <laughs> ah, this is a very tough one, there, Mr. Roshan. Uh, most goals off the bench this season. You got to give me a clue, man.
1: Okay, I'll give you a clue. He is.
0: He is under fire at the moment. He's under fire at the moment. Oh, that's the whole United team, no? <laughs> Possibly, uh, quite hot your answer. Not Fred. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait uh, a bit later on and, and try okay. to answer this. You one. can come back to it, but uh, the answer might surprise you. All right, let's now look ahead. Uh, look back rather at uh, results from the weekend. Uh we'll start off actually with the United Leicester result. Uh United of course disappointing one one draw here against Leicester City. You know, Russian, it's, it's almost it's almost like we are talking about the same things week in and week out, and that's... uh how United have been performing and not much changes over the last few game weeks in terms of how they have performed. Uh, but in this particular game, one interesting switch that United had was that Rafael Varane um, was playing on the left side of defence while Maguire went on to the right side of defence, which actually made for a, a much better showing from Maguire uh, and actually overall from, from United's defending. But it's the front third that was let down in this game, um, particularly, you know, the likes of Bruno, Pogba went missing, uh, Anthony Langa there uh, trying to be the best defender that United had late on tackling Rashford there. Uh, and we talked about it last week where we said, you know, it's about time United started playing the kids, you know, look ahead to, to next season. Um, and essentially, I think what this result did was it was a nail in the coffin for the top four. Uh, would you agree with it? I don't know if it's a
1: nail in the coffin because we'll touch on results elsewhere. So mathematically, you're still in it. Manchester United are still in it. But... But the performance, oh my God. I mean, you touched on it there. Maguire, maybe accommodated by the manager to try and gain some confidence after what went on with England. Did okay. But but again, United just look disinterested. Which is sad because essentially, all they have is league games left. If that's the showing that they're going to put up, then it's it's beggars belief what's what's going on at this United team without Ronaldo up front. I'm surprised that Rashford unfortunately still didn't get a game. I think Gary Neville touched on it on uh, his podcast, which is uh, to sum up the Premier League weekend, saying if Rashford as an out and out striker can't get into a team that is not playing a striker, then there are big problems there. I I wonder what Ralph is up to at the moment, whether he's Got his eye on next season already and therefore is taking the eye off this season. Wonder whether it's playing into the players' uh, mind about the future of the club. But essentially, your your point about bringing in the kids, I say bring them in now, man. I'm talking about the likes of uh, Medjury. I'm talking about the likes of the younger strikers, the younger players who are doing well at a younger level who would give a lot more for the bad. You talked about it there, we joked about it about Ilanga denying Rashford right at the death. Yeah, it, it would have been nice for Rashford to possibly get the winner late on. But again, it would have papered over the cracks and there's way too many cracks in this Manchester United team. For that point and that point alone, I think top four is gone. But mathematically, anything is possible because Arsenal tend to do Arsenal
0: things. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, what's most disappointing like you alluded to is the fact that you, you look at this team and I think we've talked about this before. You know, at the end of the day, when you talk about professional players, you don't want to talk about lack of effort. But it's apparent here. I, I think you are playing at home, you know, it's almost like till the end of the season, it's you should be playing to to win back the favor of the fans. Uh you know what I mean? You know, you should look at the fans and realize, you no, know, we have we brought our fans through a torrid time this season and let's really give it a good go before the season end. But but we're not seeing that at all. And, and the likes of Paul Pogba, uh I, I think he's already got in terms of mentally, I, I don't think he's there anymore. I mean you're talking about a Leicester City side that didn't have Wilfred and Didi, the best uh, ball win at the middle of the park. We didn't dominate the game at all from midfield. Uh, one bright spark, though, is our goal scorer, Fred. I, I think he's one player who has, you know, since Ralph took over, he's someone who has really made me change my opinion of him. And I think not all players have been like him. They haven't really grabbed the, ch- uh, the chances by, uh, by the horns. Uh, moving on from Manchester United, though, thankfully, is, of course, look at the other results from the top four sides. Very, very, very contrasting results. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, Arsenal going down 3-0 to Crystal Palace, while Spurs with a very, very convincing 5-1 win over Newcastle. Uh, what I want to talk about, though, is what this result does at this stage of the season. Uh, you know, if you have such a result like what Arsenal did earlier in the season, you still have time to you know, mentally recover from that. And so, um, but it's not just mental aspect. Uh, Kieran Tierney, of course, went off in, uh, didn't start this game and uh, he has since been found out that he will not be back till the end of the season uh, because of a surgery that is going to go under. Uh, And then, of course, we've got Thomas Partey, who actually was coming into good form for Arsenal in the middle of the park. Uh, He is now also injured. Do you feel like this result is going to be a major, major, major blow mentally for Arsenal now?
1: I think so. I think you mentioned two players there, Tierney and Thomas Partey. Big misses. Tommy Asu as well is going to be a big miss because he's been a mainstay at right back. But we touched on it on last week's podcast as well. When we look at the run-in, Arsenal have the tougher fixtures compared to Spurs. So I worry about Arsenal crumbling almost. And all along this season, when we've talked about the race for top four, I've mentioned the Conte effect. The power of Conte as a manager and the effect he has on his team because he's a serial winner. And... To his credit, the Spurs team are finally playing his way. We saw two fullbacks get two goals and that's a big, big part of any Conte team because he employs his fullbacks high up with that three men at the back, or you want to call it five, vice versa, right? So, I think Conte's ideology is taking effect. I know he's made a lot of noise about not getting the players he wanted in the market, but Benteke and Kulosevsky have come into that team and walked straight into that team and are mainstays in that team now. And then when you have the connection of Son and Kane, I'll be worried if our Arsenal fan is not a straightforward... Run into the top four anymore because I do think Spurs have the easier run-in between Spurs and Arsenal, and they have to be my outright favourites. Because when you look at the other teams involved, Manchester United have a world of problems. I want Manchester United to finish as low as possible. Quite honestly, West Ham have Europe to contend with, so it's going to contend with. So it's going to be a straight shootout between Tottenham and Arsenal. And if I were Arsenal, I'll be highly worried because if they are losing, if they are crumbling to Crystal Palace, they got bigger challenges coming up, and it's not going to be
0: easy for them. Yeah, when you actually look at the EPL table at the moment, uh, both teams, of course, are level on points, uh, both 54 points. Spurs, however, are in fourth, uh, courtesy of a better goal difference. Uh, and they've also played one game more than Arsenal. Uh, but again, Rauschen, both teams are going to meet each other before the end of the season. And I think that could be one of the more exciting ties to, to end the season. with. Uh, moving on from these results uh, between the top four contenders is, of course, uh, the last result that we'll review which was the biggest shock of the weekend. Chelsea at home at Stamford Bridge, going down not 1, not 2, not 3, but 4-1 to Brentford. Russian first and foremost, where, where do we even begin? I mean, clearly nobody saw this result coming, no?
1: Nope, nobody at all. I, I didn't catch the game live, but when I saw it on live score, I was like, what's going on here? And then I quickly switched on the television. I think the scoreline flatters Brentford almost, yes. Chelsea had a very bad day in the office, especially unlike them to concede for, let alone after taking the lead. And it's just one of those days where everything fell into place for Brentford. From my FPL perspective, I was annoyed that Tony didn't do more, but he got an assist and that works. But apart from that, it's just, I, I personally believe, yes, it was a shock result, shock to Chelsea's system, especially ahead of a big, big Champions League encounter against Real Madrid. But, 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 I do think it's a one-off for Brentford where you have results like this throughout the season, right? Where I think I think it was last year when Chelsea lost to West Brom quite by a heavy margin as well. Yep, so yep. they tend to have a bad day once in a while and I wouldn't read that much into it. Having said that, it's a huge result for Brentford. Not long ago, they were maybe uh, stuck in a relegation battle or discussed as a relegation contender. But I think they've pulled away with a couple of important results. Then that's timed in with Christian uh return to the starting level or the return of Christian Eriksen in terms of playing full-time football, right? So, I think that's a good story to follow and Eriksen had a big part to play in in Brentford's win as well. So, fair play to Brentford, but I wouldn't read too much into it. What about you?
0: Yeah, for for me, I think like you mentioned, I think the West Brom example is a good one because I think Chelsea, I think at this stage of the season, you've got to realise that are they really playing for much domestically, you know, mentally, what effect that has in terms of the focus, uh, right now, I think even the Chelsea players will, will admit privately that the focus has to be Champions League, right? I mean, in terms of... I mean, we cannot forget that they're still the defending champions in the in the Champions League. Uh, and they will want to, you know, go as far as possible again this time around. So in the league, of course, people will say that, you know, top four isn't secured yet. You know, right now they're on 59 points, played one game lesser than Spurs. But, I mean, let's be honest, I don't think they're going to drop too many points till the end of the season. I think they'll be fine. Um, but I think... Thomas Tuchel has a a job on his hand to make sure that this Chelsea team focuses domestically till the end of the season because the last thing that you would want is to get knocked out of the Champions League at the hands of Real Madrid and then, you know, Morel takes a a beating and then slowly start losing games in the league and, wow, you know, it would be a big news if Chelsea drop out of the the top four altogether given how, you know, they started the season. They were firing on all cylinders and um, you you must realise even though the fact that they are now third, there have been problems, no? I mean, just not just off the pitch with the whole Roman Abramovich saga but on the pitch Lukaku isn't starting games your, your big, big purchase, he isn't starting games he looks to be on the way out so if Chelsea don't finish in the top four I expect a, a very, very, very problematic summer for them
1: I mean, that might uh, free up Thomas to call for other things so that uh, might be exciting but honestly I, I don't see Chelsea dropping out of the top four I take your point it could get from bad to worse if they suffer a bad result against Real Madrid. But I'm looking at their run in here, and I just think Chelsea have a bit too much, and and I I suspect they will bounce back. They will bounce back from the shock result or against Brentford, and I think they will. I don't think they're going to win the Champions League. I'm just going to say it, but I think they will secure top four because I'm just looking at some of their fixtures they have coming up in terms of Southampton, and then they've got. Arsenal, who I expect them to beat. And then they've got Wolves. They've got Everton, who are in all sorts of trouble. they got Leeds United, who, yes, Undermarsh might have turned, uh, turned the corner, but I suspect they'll be having too much. And then they got the likes of Manchester United, Leicester and Watford before the end of the season. So I suspect Chelsea don't have to be too worried about on-pitch stuff. I think they got lots to worry off the pitch, but on-pitch, I think they will be
0: okay for their top four berth. All right, that's all for the review of the last game week. Uh, we'll now move on to the FBL radar. The final whistle, Fantasy Radar. Right, this is where we talk about who stood out from a Fantasy Premier League perspective. Uh, Raushan, you want to go ahead and kick us off?
1: I know this is a player who you've picked out a long, long time ago, but I'm going to plump on him because I think he's excellent and he's providing excellent value, and that's Kulusevsky. I feel... I feel he's really come into the Spurs team and he's, I would think, the third name on that team sheet after Son Heung-min and Harry Kane, right? And he's he, he. the reason I like him a lot is because of the price point. I think he's fairly cheaper in midfield if you if you are looking to accommodate him and Spurs are going to have, I believe, a good end to the season and I suspect Kluszewski will have a big part to play in that. So for me, I would plump for Kluszewski going into this game week as well as for the rest of
0: the season. Right, good shout there. Um, for me, it's, it's a player I've actually talked about maybe three or four weeks back, but I've not made the move to bring him in. Uh, but I might be looking at him in the weeks ahead uh, and that's, of course, uh, Kristen Eriksen. Um, to me, the, the reason why I held off um, putting him into the, the team was because he was slowly being eased into the, the team by uh, Thomas Frank at, at Brentford. Uh, but I actually told myself, you know, after he made a goal scoring return to the Danish national team that you know, it's, it's a matter of time before he starts doing it in the Premier League as well. And lo and behold, he did it in the, in the past weekend. Uh, and to me, the biggest, biggest factor in this is he's is 5.5 million, which to me is a joke. Uh, I, I've seen in the past week uh, that he's been linked to Manchester United uh, in the summer because he will be a free agent again. I, I would love that. You know, I, I, I still think he's at the top of his game. How would, and,
1: how would Bruno and uh, Christian
0: Eriksen fit into the same team though? I, I think if you are going with the 4-2-2-2 formation that, you know, Ralph Rangnick has been trying to use, I think having two central attacking midfielders is, is good. At the same time, I think Bruno needs stiff competition. I mean, you look at Bruno at the moment, I, I really, really think he needs stiff competition and Eriksen is more than stiff competition. Uh, I think he will push Bruno all the way and, and Eriksen is also a player who can play deeper in midfield. Uh, hmm. So against teams that sit back and all, you've got a creative number eight, uh, who can really unlock defences from a deep position. So, Eriksen is somebody who I would really love, you know, if he joins United. But again, these are just rumours. Uh, going back to the FPL perspective, though, they have, uh, Brentford have got West Ham, Watford and Spurs coming up, which again, you know, not the tightest of defences. Uh, so, Eriksen could prosper. And I'm really looking forward to the Eriksen reunion, almost with Spurs coming up in a two, two game weeks' time. Uh, who's the next player you have in your FPL radar? I think Ericsson is an excellent
1: shot. That's a good one to pick out. But I'm going for the team that caused Manchester United all sorts of troubles over the past weekend. I mean, that could be any team because every team we play against is troublesome at the moment. But for me, for Leicester City, two players stood out and I'm just going to put both names out there. James Madison for obvious reasons because he is in and about. He's going to provide you assists. He's a set-piece threat. He got a goal that was, I would think, harshly disallowed. I thought, yes, there was a foul by Ignacio uh, against Varane in the build-up, but... Without VAR, that might have stood. In the SPL, that would have certainly stood. So moving on, James Madison for me, but also Dewsbury Hall because Dewsbury Hall is one of those players who is busy. I mean, there's the other player I put in the same bracket is Gordon for Everton, right? And a lot of people plump for Gordon because of the price point and what he offers from a midfield perspective. I think um, out-of-position player is a term you like to use, especially at the start of the season. So for me, Dewsbury Hall looks very let's just say, intense. He, he's always running, he's always picking up loose balls and he's always going to provide an attacking threat and therefore for me, it's either Dewsbury Hall or James Madison and when I look at that Leicester City run-in, they've got, obviously they are involved in the Europa Conference League which they will be concentrating on a big tie against PSV coming up but in the league, they got Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Everton, Aston Villa and then you talked about it there, Tottenham, So and then Everton again. So, I, I, I like the look of Leicester, especially turning the corner with a few key players coming back, like so for Fofana. I think they will end the season
0: stronger than they started it and therefore I might plump for either Madison or Dewsbury Hall. Alright Roshan, uh, you stole my player, that's all I can say. Uh, James Madison was my second player on the FPL radar. Um, you know, for all the reasons that you mentioned as well, I mean, I'm not going to repeat those points again, but um, that the upcoming double game week after the next game which is against Newcastle and Everton to me it's a juicy juicy uh, time to bring him in and like you mentioned 6.8 million bargain Uh, but an additional point I would mention is right now as as we come towards the tail end of the season you know I think Mr. Gareth Southgate uh, will be watching on Uh, and James Madison is one player who hasn't featured in his team in recent times but I mean, based on the current form, I think he's one of the, the outstanding number tens in 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 the English Premier League at the moment. And hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah, you look at Emil Smith Rowe, who's been dealing with injuries. Um, has been out of uh form for for a bit now. Um, Manchester United have a uh, number of English players who are not performing. So Jesse
1: Lingard, do we even remember him? He scares some like, kids. Favorite. Jess, Jesse Lingard, J
0: lings If you're if you're watching <laughs> us on Zoom, I wish you were. I'm doing the celebration just to yeah, tickle the, the, uh the last... people in a bit. The last World Cup, we we had uh, England who started uh, with Dele Ali and Jesse Lingard in the number 10 position, and both are nowhere near contention for them. I mean, Dele but, Ali
1: doesn't doesn't, doesn't doesn't even feature in the conversation at the moment, and unfortunately for Jesse Lingard, who we know Gareth Southgate rates, but if Gareth Southgate wants to go on current form, as he's been doing in recent match, uh, match day squads, right, I'll be surprised if Jesse Lingard is anywhere close. The only good thing for Jesse Lingard is the World Cup is at the end of the year, so hopefully he... He only needs one good move to resurrect his career. He's proved it before. But to your point, James Madison, I think he spoke about it in the post-match after Manchester United as well that he's got that England birth firmly in his sight. So if that doesn't
0: motivate him to end the season strongly, I don't know what will. All right, Roshan. uh, that's all for the FPL reader. A good discussion that we just had. Uh, let's now move on to the next game (laughs) week. Right, this is Who's Next, where we look ahead to matches in the Premier League, while also picking out some FPL assets to consider. For the forthcoming campaign, now will offer single-match passes for the Premier League and provide a flexible option for football fans in Singapore with the ability to purchase pay-per-view passes for one fixture per match week. And I've said it before, I'll say it again, we are fast running out of Premier League matches and that
1: means we'll run out of these free gifts soon. So don't forget to go to our Instagram or Facebook page, at the Final Whistle to find out how you can win three free Premier League match passes each week for yourself. And this week's Match of the Week is Southampton against Chelsea.
0: Right, Raushan, I think with Chelsea I and mean, we just talked about them uh, you know, in the Brentford result, this is a, almost like a perfect game to bounce back because it's not against uh, one of the top sides. I, I think it's a manageable game for Chelsea. But the worry is that uh, there will be in midweek action in the Champions League as of recording. They haven't played their Champions League tie against Real Madrid. Um. Uh, would you say at this stage if they were to go down to Southampton uh, in this particular game would you say alarm bells would be ringing and, and what do you see happening in this game?
1: I think that highly depends on what they get done midweek right at the time of recording they haven't played Real Madrid at home but if they get a good result against Real Madrid a good uh, comfortable result to take to the Santiago Bernabeu then at least they will be let off if they drop off points I do suspect Southampton are one of those teams who have come into form of late and Hazen Hutel obviously rated very highly by the fraternity as well as by you, I know for a fact. But I suspect Southampton will enjoy playing Chelsea so soon after they've played in Europe. At the time of recording, Chelsea are going to play Thursday night Singapore time and then they play Saturday 10pm which is not very long to recover. I mean, it's long enough to recover but it's not enough time to prepare, right? So, over the next few days, they're going to just have to focus on recovery before going into that tie against Southampton and Southampton... Will I a possible result having watched Brentford last week? I do suspect this one might end up a draw. And I think a one-all or two-all suits my uh, prediction because I do think Syrington have a bit about them, a bit of grit about them. And when you look at a player like James Watt-Prowse, all he needs is a set-piece opportunity. A free kick for him is like a penalty, bro. And he is so bloody good to watch from a set-piece opportunity. And I know he's been banging in the goals as well from the set-pieces, uh, set but he's also going to put it on a plate for his strikers as well. So I suspect Sampton will come into this with an eye on getting one over Chelsea, but I think it'll end up a draw between these two sides. What about you?
0: Yeah, I'm actually so leaning towards a draw. I, I don't see Chelsea going away uh, to the St. Mary's and actually picking up three points in this encounter. Um Again, you know, Southampton are one of those sides that one week, they could be really, really good. Um, the other week, you know, they could be totally off it. But I think Southampton are, are a side that will run for 90 minutes. And against the Chelsea side that would have exerted themselves in midweek, uh, I'm actually leaning towards a 2-2 draw here between Southampton and Chelsea. Before we move on to that game that we have been itching to, re- to preview, I Well,
1: Everton-Manchester United, is it?
0: Correct. <laughs> uh, just, since you mentioned Manchester United, I think I'm going to try my hand at the trivia again you mentioned uh, on uh, he's under fire at the moment so I'm going to hazard a guess and say Marcus Rashford yeah you're right can you tell Marcus me how many Rashford? goals he's scored off the bench well I don't wow well, how many has he even scored this season three
1: no he's scored five goals this season you want to guess how many off the bench four yes oh. Marcus Rashford has scored the most goals off the bench in the league across the league and that's four. And yeah, I, I just I just just a bit sidetracking on Marcus Rashford. I do pray to God he finds his form again. He's he stopped playing football with joy. I mean, that's true of the whole Manchester United squad, but for Marcus Rashford, especially you feel for him because you know what he's capable of. You've seen him beat a player down the flank on the left and then put it on a plate for the center striker, or take a shot Henri shot from the side. That's the Rashford I think all Manchester United fans miss. And it's very hard for me to like any player from this Manchester United squad at the moment. Honestly, it's very, very hard for me to like any player from the Manchester United squad. But I've got a soft spot for Marcus Rashford. And I, I think I speak for the vast majority of Manchester United fans. that The sooner he starts playing with a smile on his face, the better for the rest of the squad as well.
0: I completely agree with you. I think at this moment, uh, he's delivering more off the pitch than he is doing so on the pitch. Uh, and, and, for it's, United- and
1: it's so, sorry to interrupt, but it's so sad that what he does off the pitch then becomes a question mark because yeah, he's yeah. doing all, all, nothing on the pitch. And, and that's unfortunate for me because I believe modern-day footballers have a duty to use their influence off the pitch. But the moment they don't start performing on the pitch, it becomes a question, which is fair play for people questioning it. But it's so sad because of what Rashford has done off the pitch, there is such a huge deal that straight away people say, ah, concentrate on your football, which is unfortunate for someone like him. And we've seen videos emerge of him cracking almost. So I really feel for the guy, man.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think um, we, we have got so many players that we need to offload in the summer. Uh, I, I pray to God that Rashford is not one of them because I, I do think that there is still a player in him. He still cares about Manchester United, uh, which is not something you can say for most of the other players. Yep. Uh, Alright, let's move on now to that game. Manchester City against Liverpool. Uh, first and foremost, I, I'm just digging up certain team news. Of course, uh, looks like Trent Alexander-Arnold came through unscathed uh, in midweek. So, of course uh, he did. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, will, he will be good to go against Manchester City. Uh, not much of a major, major uh, stumbling block in terms of team news for Liverpool. But for Manchester City... Uh, it seems like Ruben Diaz will continue to miss out, uh, which could be you know, a big, big problem for Manchester City. Although although Laporte and Stones uh, have not been too bad themselves uh, in the centre, centre of the defence. Uh, Mares uh, has been someone you know, who has been in and out of the team, uh, but he's showing uh, a bit of form as well, to, together with the, the rest of the Manchester City players, who of course put up a very good result uh, in midweek uh, against Atletico Madrid. Now, Roshan, I'm looking at the head-to-head between both sides. Uh, oh, yeah, and, and, and I mean, I, I miss this actually. The fact that Liverpool have not actually won against Manchester City uh, in the last four meetings between both sides. Does last it five you? actually. Last five, does it surprise yeah. you?
1: And uh, it does, it does. I mean, I, I, I was quickly looking up the head-to-head just as you were building us up to the game, right? And straight away, that stood out for me. Their last victory came in, in 2019 against uh, Man City. And even before that uh, before before that 2019 victory, it was 2018. So, it, it surprises me because we talk about these two as being the main title contenders. And when we look at how many points they've dropped over the years, it's quite crazy. It's quite crazy how they perform like well-oiled machine. So, I'm surprised by that stat, to be honest. But I do think, to use the old cliche, this one is it's really a cup final. And I think the form guide goes out the window because... I think both teams will come with big confidence into this uh, fixture purely because they had good results midweek. Better for Liverpool because they got the job done and rested players. And then the likes of Trent that you touch on came on, provided I mean played and provided a great assist in his comeback from that injury. And it it does it does feel like Liverpool are have the upper hand almost if that makes sense. They are garnering the headlines, but we're talking about Man City who sometimes don't get the credit they deserve. Man City is often go under the radar, purely because in this part of the world, maybe there are not enough Man City fans making much noise. But I I do suspect Man City will prove to be a big, big test for Liverpool. And if you ask Jurgen Klopp, I feel he will want the league and give up the FA Cup. If he had to choose one, obviously they are challenging for three titles at the moment, having secured one. But I think he will give all to win this weekend's clash and then possibly rotate midweek because they have the job done against Benfica before the FA Cup tie against City again. So, it's such a fascinating contest. I I cannot think of a prediction. So, I'm going to hear from you first before I think about my prediction.
0: Yeah, I, I'm trying to look at this game from a tactical perspective in terms of whether Manchester City are ready for a team that's going to attack them. Um, you know, I think midweek, it's a total opposite of what they're going to expect from Liverpool come weekend because uh, it was an atletico side. Really, really happy to sit back. You know, I have I, I've seen clips of the game where uh, Atletico had all the outfield players Crazy. in the, in the yeah. open box. So yeah. that's going to be totally different against Liverpool, right? So, as a football team uh, that was so dominant on the ball in midweek, suddenly to change track where you've got to match up with Liverpool's intensity, is it going to be easy for Manchester City? I doubt so. Um, meanwhile, I watched Liverpool play against Benfica at 3 1 does not reflect the game at all. It should have been more easily more. Uh, and we're talking about Champions League knockout game and, and Liverpool are doing that. Um, and look at Liverpool's front line. I mean, you, you could pick any three at the moment and they will still give you a good game against City. So, I just... I mean, I hate to say it, but it just all points towards Liverpool at the moment. The one, one saving grace for Manchester City, I would say, that works in their favour is the fact that they're playing at home. But again, is the Etihad Stadium one of those venues where... You where opposition player goes in. He's intimidated, area. right? Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I don't don't see that happening as well. So I, I'm leaning towards Liverpool in this Russia. And and to your point about
1: having played Atletico Madrid midweek, right? I do think it's so so tiring to try and bait down an Atletico team who are playing essentially 5-5-0. I do think Man City will be slightly more knackered than Liverpool. Having said that, Liverpool, yes, score should have scored more but they are culpable at the back. I just feel they are culpable at the back and Man City have a tasty-tasty have a front line to try and attack that. So again, this is such a fascinating one and I take your point that Liverpool have a bit too much firepower, but I suspect Liverpool are creaking, not creaking, I think Liverpool are susceptible to a mistake at the back or two. So I'm going to plump for Man City to win this. Scoreline, please.
0: 3-2 Man City. Wow. Well, uh, good point. I mean, uh, I mean, you mentioned 3-2. So uh, another factor that that I was possibly thinking of is—is is this going to be one of those top two sides, kg affairs? I'm just going to put it out there: no chance, <laughs> uh, no chance, because I I don't see either team you know Full trying belt. to yeah. to 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 be coy about their approach at all. Uh, I'm going actually for uh Liverpool three two victory. Oof. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna okay. put ten bucks on it. I mean, uh, sure. Let's let's all put right. ten bucks on it. Right. Uh, but, but but yeah, I, I think neutrals, uh, I don't know whether we are considered neutrals actually, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be looking forward to, to, to this match. Uh, and I saw Russia in Singapore, of course, the pubs and bars uh, have all opened uh, for live screenings as well. Just want a quick shout out to Cafe Football. Uh, you know, if you're in the area, if you're looking to, to go down to, to watch a game, uh, I think that's one, one proper venue to, to watch this game at. Uh, I've already checked out whether they're screening the game. And they are actually screening this oh, game. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. so, so, wonderful venue to go to. And, you know, just enjoy the, the weekend of football. But before we go, we've got the captain's call. Uh, I'm going to go first, Raushan, because uh, you've already stole my <laughs> FPL radar pick earlier. Um, I'm looking at the, the fixtures. And, you know, because City are playing Liverpool, that almost takes away your your Salahs, I, I feel, and your Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, I think it's quite risky because you don't know what to expect and and with talking about Salah. I mean, he's, he hasn't been on form, right? The last few games. So, I'm going to go for a, a, non, a non-City and, and Liverpool player. I'm going to go for Arsenal player. I think, given the result that they had uh, in the past game week, I think they'll be hungry to to fight back and primarily because they're playing against a Brighton side uh, who haven't looked great in recent weeks, right? And, Given the fact that it's an emirates, the crowd will be behind them. I'm gonna go for an attacking Arsenal player. And because the only the only attacking Arsenal player I have is Martinelli, I'm gonna select my wow. on Martinelli. bold,
1: bold. I would like to see you follow through on that prediction. Uh those of you listening, I will upload a screenshot once the teams are tied in and then you can see the credibility that Deepen has. said it on record. Now, because honestly, when you were, when you were saying negating Man City and Liverpool, I thought you were gonna pick a Spurs asset because Spurs look in good nick against the Aston Villa team who, let's just say, have been Jekyll and hat and that's the what I'm leaning towards. I think it's hard to look beyond Harry Kane at the moment. Just, he's, I I, I can't tell anymore if Harry Kane is playing so well because he wants to move away or Harry Kane is playing so well because Antonio Conte has had an effect on him but Harry Kane is special, man, at the moment. I, I do think he's a goal threat. I think he links up play so well. Some of his passes for Son Heung-Min in that 5-1 victory against the Poros Newcastle team, he just looks top of his game at the moment and I, I feel like Harry Kane has to have the armband uh this weekend against Aston Villa but if you're looking for a more bold option I think Kevin De Bruyne is going to have a big big game against uh, Liverpool he's the talisman for Man City yes Man City have a lot of uh good players in their team a lot of good players but he makes them tick and if you want put it on Kevin De Bruyne but
0: I'm going for Harry Kane all right, Roshan, we've come to the end of the episode. Uh, wonderful episode once again. Uh, to all EPL fans, you know, enjoy the, the, the weekend, unless, of course, you're a Manchester United fan. Always be prepared for heartbreak. Look, uh, if
1: you're a Manchester United fan, don't waste time watching Everton Man United this weekend at 7.30pm. Head down to Jalan
0: Besar and watch Lion City Sailors against Tanjo Paga. That would be a lot more interesting to watch. That's what that's, I'm going to do. That's correct. Or oh, you could just tune in to live now and catch Southampton. Uh, taking on ah, Chelsea on a Saturday 10pm kickoff Roshan, wonderful I'll uh, we'll see you again next week enjoy the games definitely depend. good luck for FPL see you soon